0: that beautiful oh wait they're gonna sue me play it hey all you crazy sci-fi
1: fans time for your daily dose of insanity over here at the sci-fi shenanigans podcast just three nerdy veterans geeking out over our science fiction passions a place where the sky's the limit space is a place and nerds run the world and without further ado all right, listeners, welcome back to the Sci-Fi Shenanigans podcast. Today, we have a distinguished panel of authors, and J.R., uh, to talk about an exciting new series of books in the best-selling Galaxy's Edge universe. This series centers around the Order of the Centurion in, in the In-Universe's highest award for valor. So let me introduce the award. <clears throat> the Order of the Centurion is an all-new series of standalone military science fiction thrillers set in the Galaxy's Edge universe, ranging from the Savage Wars when the of the, uh, to the arrival of the Black Fe- Fleet. Each book features the legendary heroes of the Legion who fought, who, who forgot nothing in their earning of the Legion's highest honor. The Order of the Centurion is the highest award that can be bestowed upon an individual serving in or with the Legion. When such an individual displays exceptional valor in the action against an enemy force and uncommon loyalty and devotion to the Legion and its Legionnaires, refusing to abandon posts, mission, or brothers, even unto death, the Legion dutifully recognizes such courage with this award." So Jason, as the co-creator of the universe, you get to speak for Nicole as well. So what was the inspiration for this
2: series? So the real life inspiration was uh, obviously the Medal of Honor and Galaxy's Edge being military science fiction. We knew the Legion had to have their equivalency um, from a behind the scenes thing. This was I'm pretty sure this was Nick's idea, because at the time we started doing this, I really didn't know anybody like I was just doing my own thing. Legionnaire was a big hit. But Nick introduced me to like Richard, uh, Richard Fox. He introduced me to Jonathan and he's like, hey, let's do this and we'll get these guys to write in the world. And so I was like, oh, okay, that's great. Um, we knew that we had a deal coming up with Audible Studios, which would make our audiobooks exclusive. And so our initial plan was to work with some of the best writers in military science fiction, some of our favorite writers in military science fiction. And uh, have some material available during that drought period where we were working on things like the Savage Wars. Um, And then Audible Studios said, hey, we want that too. And they threw like just crumpled up $100 bills at our face. (laughs) And uh, so we didn't think long. But then we made that offer. We we took that offer. And uh, so now those are delayed. Um, But they're coming out now. (laughs) And uh, if you're a reader, you still have to wait six months after the audio release. But, you know, good things come to those who wait.
1: That's right. So, so ha- how did you pick the authors? Uh, what was
2: your criteria, and and how long ago did you pick them? That was like what 2016. I feel like I feel like wow. we had our first meeting in Vegas in 2016, and Nick had said, you know, Richard Fox. Uh, that was a no brainer. Obviously, Richard had huge success before, so we were really excited for him. Um, Nick introduced me to Jonathan Ynez, who's just a great guy and uh, a very uh, very fun adventure writer. And then I had gotten to know a little bit through Keystroke Medium, uh, Josh Hayes. So um, since we were talking, I said, well, what about Josh Hayes? You know, he's he's got some chops. And mm-hmm. uh, Nick was like, sure, the more the merrier in his typical kind of boisterous way. Uh, then we got to know JR and saw that he was a legit uh, reader of the universe and knew it inside and out. And he had a really fascinating story to tell. And so um, he was brought in and, and that was it. There's been a lot of people who have said – uh, oh, I want to do this, um, but as you guys all know, it's tough to to make wants line up with schedules. Right. Yeah. Okay.
1: So these questions are for the entire panel. Yes, even you, Jason, since you wrote one of these novels. So how are more you than more, approached? <laughs> how are you approached to write the novel in the
2: universe? We'll We'll start with Jason. So Nick was like, uh, "We got to write an order of the Centurion novel, but I'm really jamming on Tyrus Rex, and jamming is a word that Nick uses a lot." Um, I'm really jamming on Tyrus <laughs> Rex. So I said, well, I'll, I'll, I'll plot out The Order of the Centurion and, and I'll work on that. And um, so I just took some time aside and uh, started working on that novel as my primary project and um, just kind of tried to set the pace. And it was pretty well received. And, and that was it. But we knew we had to have at least one that was just by On Spock and Cole. And so we made that the lead off novel. And then we were off to the races.
3: Nice. So what, what, what about you, Richard? I was uh, at I was at dinner with Nicole and his lovely wife Nicole, and uh, we were sitting there having pizza. And Nick said, "Hey, I'm interested in opening up uh, the universe to other writers to you know come and play in our sandbox." And I said, "Yeah, that's very interesting." And I and I asked, "Well, what if I could do a, a kind of a, a spy novel set in there?" And he's like, "Yes, that'll work." I'm like, "Okay, yeah, I'm I'm up mm-hmm. on. And so, it, you know, Galaxy's Edge was great. I knew that the readers who like Galaxy Edge were. Really liked my stuff too. So I thought, well, if I write in their audience, it's a similar genre, similar vein. I know who I'm writing for. This is uh, easy, it's an easy T-ball, you know, it's a T-ball home run if I write for them. So yeah, of course I'll do it. <laughs> right now. What about you, Josh?
4: Uh, mine was actually a very intricate story of going to California and pounding on Nick's window and not leaving until he <laughs> said that I could write a book in, the, in their universe. Actually, I approached them really early in 2016, um, pretty much right after they came on the show originally talking about um, the series. that they, and I don't even know that they had published yet. They, they had finished Galactic Outlaws and Legionnaire was still set to be book two at that time. Um, and I was super excited about it. And they, they were talking really back then about their big plans that they wanted to kind of um, do with the universe and make it this big thing. And, and I was like, oh, I want to write in that universe. And, and this is actually before Richard approached me to um, collab on the Terra Nova series. And so I approached, I don't know if I approached both of you at the same time or Nick or what, but I said, hey, can I, can I write in your universe? I really love Galactic Outlaws. And they were like, well, we're not really ready to do that, but you know, send us a pitch anyway. So I spent like three days doing a pitch for kind of like a, a Han Solo esque type novel. I sent it to them. They liked it, but they were like, now nah, we're kind of really wanting to do this mill sci-fi thing, but they had ordered the Centurion really hadn't done it. nothing had happened with it yet. But they're were like, we're trying to do mill sci-fi now. So this is cool. But no, thanks. Maybe if something else comes up down the road, we can do something. And then then it did. And then Jason sent me a message. Uh, I don't remember when, but he was like, hey, this is what we're going to do. Are you interested? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes, absolutely. Yes. <laughs> so uh, let me think about that for a minute.
0: Okay. What about you, JR? So I was actually it was uh, November I think twenty sixteen and I was sitting at home you know working I think I was still doing the Sleeping Legion series and I got a, a message from Nick and he's like hey man I want to read the first book in your Sleeping Legion series send me a copy you could send me a, a, a publisher copy or whatever so I sent it to him thinking okay maybe he's just gonna like leave a review for me and then uh, he sent me back he's like we need to talk and he called me and he uses that mafiosa voice the Don that he does and he's like y- you got this offer and you can't refuse so you know. I didn't refuse.
1: All right. So the next question is: Were you already a fan of the Galaxy's Edge universe? I think we can go ahead and assume Jason was. Uh, What about you, Richard?
3: Uh, I had read Legionnaire and enjoyed it immensely, and then also read uh, Galactic Outlaws, and then I kind of went down my own rabbit hole of. All of a sudden, I don't have much more free time. To, to read but when um, uh, but when it's like hey read, you're writing galaxy's edge i knew what it was i knew it was star wars not stores but more awesome than the than the stuff disney's giving us today so yeah i was already a fan okay uh, what about you josh uh
4: yeah definitely uh 100 and um uh, you know more of of being a fan of 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 nick cole and jason doing their thing um i knew that even before I read Legionnaire that I was going to love it because I read Gal- Galactic Outlaws uh, when it was still in beta um, and oh, wow. absolutely loved it. Yeah. So I like uh, I I've loved the series since they started doing it. Um, and I, so I, I was really, really still even before it became this big, huge thing. Right. Like it's now it's like everybody mentions Legionnaire and, and, galaxy's edge. Like it's this huge thing, but it, but it always, it wasn't always that big. It, it, it was just one book at one time and it was just it was a really, really cool universe. Uh really fun, like they say, playing with uh action figures in in the dirt. It just really, really fun. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> All right. And JR. Uh I would guess that's a yes since I would already had uh running two fan clubs for them at the time. And I didn't even <laughs> like I didn't a- they didn't ask me to do it. I'm just like, huh, eh, this is kind of cool. Let's do this stuff. So but I my the first sci-fi I ever read were the uh what they call, I guess, the non-canon uh, books that are out that uh, came out in the 90s so i grew up reading that stuff so when this came out it was just like swing for the park and hit over the fence all right so it, it doesn't sound like anyone had
1: any uh any objections to it but um on a scale of one to goodfellas how <laughs> willing were you to uh to to say no
3: to this offer uh richard well it's it, for when they asked me my first thought was well when can i when can i write this and because I was, I was deep in the Ember War and I was get, I had the momentum there. And so I was like, okay, where is the break that I could actually knock out these, these tens of thousands of words for the story. And that break tended to be right after my wife had a baby and I had two, uh, two people in the house helping manage the family. And I was like, okay, during this insane period, when I have a little extra help, let me knock out this one story that's kind of separate from everything else I'm doing and get it out there. And that's, that ended up working out just fine. And um, about how long was that story? It's, now, when I told uh, Jason and, and Nick about it, I said, hey, I, my story—and it was probably dumping on a, a, a future question—I'm sorry. I was like, I'm going to do a, a James Bond in Galaxy's Edge sort of story. And if you've read the, you know, the original kind of James Bond movies, these are not thick stories. They are meant to be pocketbooks. And the first James Bond story, Casino Royale, is about forty thousand words. It's not oh, okay. overly long. And the reason that everyone says that forty thousand words is kind of the minimum length for a book is because the great Gatsby is 40,000 words and no one will say that's not a novel. <laughs> so, but, so when oh, I first, cliche. yeah. And so when, so I said, I'm going to deliver you this kind of just almost a chapbook uh, story that, you know, is very um, Ian Fleming-esque and I gave them here, here's 40,000 words and that, that worked, but uh, because the story was pretty complete. And then Jason said, Hey, uh, it's going to be an audio we need to flesh it out. So I'm like, okay, I've got some ideas. So we fleshed it out a little bit further after the initial 40,000 words. Now I think it's at 65,000, about eight or nine hours oh, wow. in my audiobook, which is uh, pretty good.
1: Yeah, that's pretty good. All right, Josh, on scale of one to good fellas, could you refuse this offer? I, I, ah. I think it's no, because you you were stalking him, right? Yeah, I was, I
4: was stalking both of them. Yeah. <laughs> um, you the only can't reason say I didn't stalk-
0: Officially, there's the legal disclaimers involved. Well, stalking. Right, I did air quotes. Yeah, he was the cop at the time.
4: Oh. I was stalking, not stalking. So um, <laughs> uh, no, I and I, actually the, the only my issue kind of was the same thing that uh, that Richard said that I was right in the middle of of writing the Terra Nova series, and um, so it actually really worked out well that Nick and Jason turned me down the first time because they turned me down, and then Richard said, "Hey, do you want to write these books?" And I was like. That's awesome. Okay. That still works. Um, so I had to stop in between, I think it was book. I think it was book one and two that I stopped, or maybe it was book two and three between one of those books in the Terra Nova series. I stopped and wrote strikers war for like two months. Um, and it, 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 they, they specifically asked for, um, the 65 to 70,000 word mark for their stories. Um, so that's kind of how I plotted it out. It, it, it came in a couple thousand words under, um, and then with Jason's help, we, we kind of reworked a little bit of thing, uh, a little bit of the scenes and added some stuff to it to make it a little bit more complete. Um, but, but no, there, there's no way that I could say no to that. It was just, it's a, it's a super cool universe. And and the things that they do with, uh, with uh, the Legionnaires is, is too cool to pass up. I think. Cool, And JR, did you, uh, did you cry?
0: A little bit. I was going to say no, but, but (laughs) nobody believed me. They just laughed and then said, you know, here's the documents you need to sign go away. (laughs) So, but you know, Nick can be persuasive when he, when he puts on that mafiosa, you know, he gets the cigar. I'm sure he's chomping on a cigar when he talks like that. He has to, I mean, it's almost in character at that point, right? (laughs) Yeah.
1: All right. So um, with the astounding success of the dumpster fire, that's the galaxy's edge universe. Um, how nervous were you that you could that you could contribute to this and, and actually make it make it even more expansive and awesome? Um,
3: we'll start with Richard. Yeah my first thought was well, would my story work in, in the universe? And there's it is a James Bond sort of spy novel, but there's also this the second part, which is why uh, would anyone within the, the Republic remain loyal to the Republic if they see all the corruption? So that's kind of the, this underlying uh, theme through there is just you've got the spy story and then you've got, you know, this character who is a true believer comes face to face with corruption and how does he, you know, manage to, to, to stay loyal or not stay loyal. So my, so I was constantly kind of pinging it back and forth with, with Jason and, and Nick. I'm like, uh, you know, would someone go for this? You know, does this work in the Republican? Does, what about that? And, and I'm just kind of like picking out, finding where, you know, the, the, the seeping this is gross, but you know the 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 seeping wounds are within the republic, so I can kind of look and you know put, kind of poke in them. This has gone to way too far, <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, and find <laughs> those weak points in the republic and kind of exploit that to to show where someone might you know get disloyal. Because a big part of 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 Galaxy's Edge is you know you have Goff Solus and the people who follow him, and the Dark Legion, and the the fleets that go for Joss Doss Solus, and was it just simply. They wanted money, so they're going to turn traitor, or or people abandoning the republic for you know, really legitimate reasons. So uh, my thought was, right. okay, can I can I get that story out there and do it in such a way that doesn't wreck what's happening further down the line in their timeline? Because I kept asking, like, well, can I use this character? Do you have plans for them? They're like, yeah, go ahead. I'm like, okay. And so that was oh awesome. So that was yeah, that's where I was at. Like, let me let me tell a good contrite story and not. You know, mess up whatever they had planned down the road. That's very, yeah. Very and that's planned. one of the
2: fun things about Richard's book. Um, it takes place kind of, a, it's a contemporary book to Kill Team. Like it takes place right in the aftermath of Kill Team. And so he deals with a lot of the themes and the fallout from that book and uh, brings in some characters that um, are are a big part of that story, but sort of fade away for a while in the main series. So I I thought his book was a lot of fun because it just added more wrinkles to a lot of characters that people already know. And it really helped paint a scene of um, kind of this Republic as it's entering uh, a crisis mode. Uh, Goth Solace hasn't revealed himself yet, but you know, KUBLAR has happened. Uh, the attempt to blow up the House of Reason has happened, and it's very much a, a a Patriot Act. Everything's locked down, super corrupt. Things are kind of teetering on the edge, and you've got this one compelling character in Soren Voss who thinks he loves the Republic, but maybe doesn't know what the Republic actually is. And it's just a really, really good story. Nice. All right, Josh,
4: uh, how nervous were you? Um, <laughs> I don't. I don't know that I was. Um, n- I, so I was a little nervous, but not nearly as nervous as when you see the fans talk about the books, because the it's the, it, the Galaxy's Edge fans are 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 pretty loyal. They're 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 pretty outspoken, and so I wasn't nervous until I started seeing. Uh, reviews and and that kind of thing on all the books. And I'm like, oh gosh, I, I really hope I don't just throw this in the trash can and, and I hope it, it's good. The other thing that made me nervous is I, I kind of went on a different uh, stylistically. I went um, differently. I presented the novel differently than um, I, I think some of the other ones um, in that I I, I put some Uh, chapter headings that were parts of a a letter that one of the Legionnaires writes to his mom and dad and um, I tell it from two separate points of view Um, both are sergeants in this uh, platoon and right at the beginning of the book chapter one, first one it's the first thing you read is mom and dad if you're getting this letter I guess I died or something along those lines so you know like right at the beginning of the book one of them is going to die but you don't know which until you get to the end Um, and so I was really hoping that that was going to fly, that it was going to be okay. Jason actually really liked the idea. Um, and then when the, the book actually got edited and put back together and and fixed, he took all those chapter headings and put the letter together at the end of the book, which I didn't, I had no idea. I, I didn't even think to do that. And Jason did that and it worked extremely well because you go through the book and you get snippets of every line and or of the letter and then you get to the end and you get the whole letter right after the end uh and that was that was pretty emotional uh pretty impactful at the end of the book uh, but i was really kind of i was worried about that but but then i remembered that every book that they wrote in galaxy's edge is different from the first one like every like they have a second person book who writes second person like <laughs> who does that <laughs> like but they did and it and it worked and their fans loved it so i wow i as i as i seem to do as i seem to see the the, them do different things with the the series i was like oh this will be all right it'll be fine
0: it's good it'll be fine Mm. okay jerry any performance anxiety Well, actually no because i'd written in tim taylor's universe i knew how to write in other people's universe i was actually more nervous to write my own stuff standalone than i am to write in other people's playground um Ah. i was a little bit nervous when they said that uh rc bray wasn't going to be uh, narrating everybody's because i know like part of the first series the the season one arc is like part of the love for people is that it's rc braid narrating it but mm-hmm. um I, so i was a little nervous about that um but no i, I wasn't as nervous about that i will say that uh, i was surprised because you know that if you're an insider so you pay for the description uh, subscription you get to read the betas which is what one of the things josh mentioned earlier and so one of the things that did surprise me though is how much they liked uh some of the stuff that's at the back of the book that i never really thought about because i tend to as a reader myself gloss over so like um the fu- finished letter that josh had or in my case i wrote up the actual uh, order of the centurion citation for my character and put that with some maps at the back of the book because you know i Draw, drew sketch maps for for my scene and the extras it surprises me how much people dig that because they used to put those in books and then we sort of went away from it yeah. and now with indie publishing you're seeing people do that kind of stuff again and it surprised me how much people like that stuff
1: awesome uh, so the the rumor is that it's going to be uh Gil- gilbert Gottfried who's doing the voice is that right absolutely okay okay <laughs> <laughs> That's a joke, people. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right. Now, we all had different narrators. Fire,
4: you're in for. Fire, you're in for.
0: <laughs> you You're a little too good at that, Josh.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
1: all right. Let's talk about the nitty-gritty nature of the partnership. How involved were uh, Jason Onspock and Nick Cole in the crafting of your personal story? So uh, I guess we'll ask Jason first. Um, did you pretty much get free reign or did – did uh, Nick Cole have a lot of input on your story?
2: Um, I, I essentially have free reign. So the way we always explain the way uh, Galaxy's Edge works is like I'm kind of the director and showrunner. Okay. So when it comes to Galaxy's Edge, I, I'm running the Galaxy's Edge show. We have another property called Forgotten Ruin, which hasn't released yet, but it's more of a fantasy side. And uh, if you know Nick, he, he likes uh, military sci-fi. He likes Space Marine. But his heart is really with Dungeons and Dragons. So He's the showrunner for our fantasy stuff. I'm the showrunner for Galaxy's Edge, um, and that's not to say that he doesn't contribute because he does an awful lot. But uh, there kind of needs to be one one head, one final decision maker, and so that's me with Galaxy's Edge. That's him with Forgotten Ruin. Nice. Okay. So, um, so
1: Richard, how much uh, how much input did uh, Jason and Nick have in your story,
3: or did they need it? The, the most of the input came down to kind of details because when I, I pitched in the story I said all right here's here's the main character Soren Voss here's his arc during the course of the book and I because he's a Soren Voss is a spy and I thought okay uh, I can set up this spy character would you like to have him available for use later on in your series and like later on if Voss ever shows up as a character you're like oh and here's his origin story and they're like that eh, maybe but just keep the option I'm like all right fine I'll keep the option open and then when it came down to it it was mostly like you know just specifics like I said can I do this to this character because there's one character in uh, the third book who, who who's Jason help me out here she, she's the one with four arms and she's basically kept as a concubine and I Illuria. said yeah and I was like hey look, yeah, can Illuria. I do something mm-hmm. with this character and they're like we didn't have any plans so go ahead and I was like yeah evil laugh ensues <laughs> if you read the story yeah, if you read the story, you know she doesn't have her time. But and then it was like, okay, what can I would do with the arms dealer? Like, yeah, you can do that with the arms dealer. And then it was a lot of, you know, because I was doing this as kind of a side story and just the the how someone can turn or not turn on the Republic based on what they see. So I, everything I wanted nice. was that you know, information regarding that. And then I, and then it was like it was also like tell me about when they try to blow up the house of reason. Okay, good. And then it was also like you know it's more. Details, how does NetherOps work in this way? And it was just, they gave me information. And, and I don't think there was a time when Jason or Nick said, no, you can't do that. It was very, it was really simple because I, 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 they knew the story I wanted to write and how it fit in. And then it was just mostly just getting all the connective tissue from the main series into my story. So it worked out pretty well.
1: Nice. And, and, and doing, doing that double check would, uh, I assume, help prevent rewrites as well.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Because when I said, you know, can I, you know, are the Drusik like this? And they're like, yes, of course. And then also for whatever reason, this joke has a lot of this, this book has a lot of, a lot of dick jokes in it uh, more than I usually do, <laughs> which is came as a real surprise. And then when Jason was doing the <laughs> for whatever reason, uh, when Jason added, uh, help me add to the story uh, and I was rereading, it, I'm like, did I write that or did Jason write that? And then I just decided if anyone ever doesn't like one of the dick jokes, I will blame Jason. And then, <laughs> then Jason blamed me for that. So there's a lot of non non attribution to dick jokes in this book. So but if you really thought it was funny, nice. I'm going to claim credit.
1: <laughs> all right, Josh same question. Did I did uh, Jason and Nick have a lot of input in your book or did it pretty much go off with that hitch?
4: Um the actual story, they I think was fine all the way through. Um, there was a couple things when I got closer to the end, um, I wanted something that would connect back to their series in some way but in in kind of like an easter egg way so you could read it and not have read um season 1 of Galaxy's Edge and it it makes no difference that you didn't read it, but if you've read it and you catch that Easter egg, you're like, "Oh, that's pretty cool." Oh yeah. Uh, so I had a couple conversations. I had a couple conversations with uh, Jason about that. Um, we ironed that out, and it's very small. Like there's a paragraph, I think, or a couple paragraphs in the back of the book, or uh, in the last couple of chapters that that tie it in. Um, the other thing was uh, just kind of just regular edit stuff that that. I editors would catch just to make it better. I think um, some of the some of the things that happened, like I had a, at one point, I had a shuttle get shot down um, by like an air to ground rocket, and um, Jason was like, "Yeah, that 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 wouldn't happen. They're they're pretty h- hardcore shuttles," and so we had to tweak that oh, part okay. of the book a little bit. And just just things like that, where um, you know, as the as the creator of the tech, you you understand it hundred percent as someone who didn't create it, you don't know all the limitations that go with it. So there were things that he would say and find that this wouldn't actually work like this. I think at one point I had somebody shoot a, uh, a sled with like a, uh, a, a, like a a blaster or something like a heavy blaster, but it blows up the sled. And Jason was like, yeah, that, that won't work either. So we had to tweak that a little bit too. So um, a lot of those things um, that he just helped tweak and make sure that, was really good for the series. Cause had he not done that, the fans of season one would have been like, this is complete shit. Cause this doesn't make any <laughs> sense with the rest of the tech in the story. Right. Right.
2: So d- just, new yeah. and I've replaced, right. Yeah. I've replaced my, uh, my super nerd, know all the details of star Wars with super nerd, know all the details of galaxy's edge. Yeah. So yeah. it's yeah. really no, odd, like no, living out right. my teenage <laughs> years <laughs> again, except for it's like,
4: I set the rules. So. Yeah. But but
2: I was totally the kid who was like, well, a Lambda class shuttle probably isn't going to. Yeah, that was me.
4: (laughs) I could just picture him with like a a corn cob pipe and a monocle, like reading my story. Just like, that's just silly. (laughs) That was
2: I actually I actually streamed that. (laughs) All right, Jr. Same
1: question. did, how much input or how much do they have to change in your story? I mean, you you are the uber super fan, so it was perfect. First try, right?
0: Well, well, first, I think all of us at one point in time thought the, the slug throwers were the cool guns, so we all had those in there. Yeah, Like, yeah, no, you, you can't do that. So that had to come out. And then uh, they gave all of us, or at least they did me. I remember Jason approached me when we had started the editing, and he's like, how much do you want me just to, to make the canon work and then, you know, we we'll go with it? Or do you want like a true co-writing? And since one of the reasons I said yes was because this is a learning experience, right? Like they've clearly done something right. Legionnaire is still, yeah. you know, a best-selling novel two, three years later. And so when Jason's like, oh, do you want me to co-write with you? I'm like, yes, before he'd even finished the sentence. Mm, yeah. Um, and so for me, this was the first story I'd ever written first person. So like there was some of that where he had to, you know, Hey, you got to actually not say he said it's, I said that kind of thing. Oh, sure, yeah. um, and then part of it was the, I had an idea where the story was going, but I didn't have it outlined. This is the first and only story that will ever write with no outline. So there was some back and forth, um, Editing that, where where you know Jason was like, yeah, this kind of doesn't make sense because you sort of drop this over here, so yeah, it w- there was a lot of back and forth. I think the inspiration though was it does tie into the main series, and that uh, one of the novels you have Low Pack, which is like this really awesomely funny. Um, I love Low Pack. Arm, yeah, the pirate. He mentions a list of atrocities the MCR committed, mm-hmm. um, and so I was like, well, let me take one of those and write that story. And so that was sort of the, the pitch for me. And so because it was so in the periphery, there wasn't a whole lot because, I mean, I just I made all of it up. So it wasn't other than the minor details. There wasn't a whole lot in that respect for him to fix.
1: Awesome. OK, now, without giving away too many details or too many spoilers, even though I think uh, Richard did a little bit. Uh, let's talk about your story. So could you, could you give us the name of your story and a short synopsis? What kind of kind of the flavor? Uh, but we're going to start with Jason. Sure.
2: Yeah. So my first one uh, is Order of the Centurion. So it's the title of the book and the title of the series. And it takes place in Sidon, which in Galaxy's Edge is sort of the Vietnam. It was the first big conflict that followed the Savage Wars. And it was also the point in time where the House of Reason began issuing appointed officers to the Legion, which is a big problem uh, by the time you reach season one. So my story was about a, a particular um uh, named Wash, and, uh, he shows up in the main series and uh, when he first shows up, uh, you think it's trouble, uh, but then you realize, uh, that this is not your typical point. And so it's, uh, it's him and his buddy. Who's also a point going on a mission they shouldn't have gone on and just kind of stumbling their way into success in large part because Wash and the Marines they're out with are capable and they take advantage of the situation. So, um, it's a, it's an action story. And, uh, I think I, I, I've been watching Predator. So I was really thinking about that, that first part of the movie, the, uh, the commando part. So, uh, you can probably pick up the Predator vibes from that story. And, uh, and then I wanted to just touch a little bit on, um, the reality of the people who are back home who lose their husbands, lose their wives, uh, lose their families due to these conflicts. Sometimes that's not really shown so much. And, um, so we included that. And I think that's what caused that book to resonate so well was, uh, the way it kind of rips your heart out at the end. And, and really Josh's book, uh, even though, you know, it's coming, like he said, um, it, it just kind of rips your heart out. Um, actually even Jr's book, um, JR's book, uh, it feels exhaustive. You feel exhausting. You feel like you're a leg and like, it's just never going to stop. And when the book finally ends, I remember reading it and feeling like a sense of relief, not because it was done, but you felt like release or a relief for the character. And I remember J.R. I like went on Facebook and messaged you real quick. And I was like, dude, that was just such a perfect way to, to get out of that and to finish that book up. So anyway, that's, that's my, my praise for all that Richard, you know, his ending was not quite as uh, bittersweet <laughs> as anybody else's. Yeah, Richard, you're now. next.
3: Right. So here's the, the book description I think is going to be used. I don't know if Jason has, has made some changes, but Through the Nether is the title. And synopsis is, Nether Ops works in the shadows, and those shadows taint everything they touch. Soren Voss believes in the Republic, but when he puts a promising promising Navy career on hold to serve as a covert agent, he encounters truce that throw everything he knows into turmoil a stolen cache of weapons, a mysterious upgraded form of legionnaire armor, and a written oath of loyalty to someone named Goth Sullus. The agent follows leads. that bring him face-to-face with traitor legionnaires, crooked politicians, and a powerful smuggler and gunrunner named Scarpia. Thorin follows a darkening path to the heart of the Republic, and what he uncovers leaves him wondering not only if the Republic can be saved, but if he's even on the right side. U.S. Army veteran Richard Fox, author of The Ember Saga, Teams up with Onsmuck and Cole to deliver this thrilling standalone novel set in the aftermath of Galaxy's Edge Kill Team. And nice. I think, I think that's the copy that we're, that we're going with on Tuesday. So, and uh, But mine is, it's a spy story. Not so much the uh, the you know, out-and-out military science fiction that is uh, most of these Order of the Centurion books. And what it was is, uh, you know, th- there is the Order of the Centurion does uh, come into play towards the end of the book. And, but you know, how and why I'll leave that to the readers. Cause it, it kind of goes back into the theme of, uh, of, of Soren's uh, character arc. So, and yeah, but it is um, a spy story with plenty of action to it and, uh, some, some real moral conundrums that the characters face along the way. Nice. Okay, Josh, you're next.
4: Um, so my book is called strikers war. Um, it takes place uh, a little bit before Legionnaire and, um, I I didn't know that uh I didn't know that Jason was doing a, a kind of Vietnam esque story at the time. And um I know that I knew that Legionnaire was like in, in the in the uh in the desert kind of where they set it up kind of like Afghanistan. And in my mind I was like, I really want my uh, Legionnaires to have like the jungle green armor. Like that was just number one. That was my number one thing. I didn't care if a shit, what the story was. I just (laughs) wanted them to be in the green armor. Um, and that was what I think I, I think I asked Jason about the cover, like having green armor on the cover, like at least 107 times at least. Um, but so mine, I set up, um, is basically a, um, um, kind of a third world planet, but not really The the place, the place where they go to is very isolated away from where most of the population of this planet is. Um, it's kind of like a lizard uh, race of p- aliens. Um, and they mine this very rare ore. Um, and uh, the legion the the Republic has come in and, and they're um helping protect and um, helping to f- uh, facilitate the mining and transportation and all the production that goes along with that. Um, and they they start getting attacked by these insurgents and the Marines can't handle it, so they call in the Legion. Um, and uh, in my book, there's actually two points that are um, – hindering the operation instead of just one. I was like, ah, one bad point, but we great, but how about two and just throw a huge wrench into it. Um, and so I tell it from Sergeant Lincoln's point of view and then from Sergeant Talon's point of view. And uh, I set the book up at the beginning. I, I kind of wanted to have a book where, um, you s- a lot of the mill sci-fi books and a lot of books, uh, they, they set up your character. Like this is his goal. This is where he wants to be. And that's where he gets to by the end of the book. um, I didn't want to do that. So I set up my main character with like in the very first chapter, this is kind of what he wanted to do. And he gets it in the very first chapter. Um, and then you read the, the rest of the books. And by the time you get to the end of the book, that's not where he ends up at at all. Um, and um, the other character kind of the same, kind of the same path through the book. Um, I knew that I, I knew from the beginning, I knew which one I was going to kill off. Um, but I I wrote the story so that like there's, there's several chapters at the end where the end of the chapter is that could have been the death of that character like very easily. And I did that like three or four times. Um, like I had, uh, I had one guy get shot in the head. I had another guy get shot um, by like an automatic blaster. And I just like in the chapter right there. And a couple of times I did it, Jason was like, yeah, you can't, you kind of need some more in here. Like <laughs> you, you end it, but then you don't fix, fix it. And, and so that, Uh, going back to his edits, that helped a lot. Um, But I think the biggest thing that the biggest compliments I got on this book were um, the dialogue and the um, combat action in the scenes. Um, I, um, a couple of the vets, the insiders group has a lot of vets in it. And I've, I got a lot of messages from them saying that they really, really enjoyed that aspect of the book. Um, And then I've got more compliments on the ending of the book um than any other any of the other compliments. And and they all are basically you made me cry, you're a dick. <laughs> um and um uh, yeah
2: that's how you know you yeah. did it right though.
4: There was there's was actually one review on Audible that basically says if you don't cry at the end of the book you have no soul. Mm-hmm. Uh and, um and and even when I re-listened to it, uh the Ray Porter narration, I re-listened to it. and and even knowing it was coming, I still choked up a little bit. Cause because kind of like what Jr. said at the end of his where he puts in the citation, I did the same thing, except I did a uh, like they have a, a ceremony and they read every every uh, award you get in the military. There's a ceremony where they basically say attention to orders. Everybody stands up and they read the order verbatim and then they issue the the citation. So I, I basically did that in the end of the book and then put that letter in there. And when you do those back to back, it really just kind of stabs you right in the chest and twists a little bit. Um, it was it was a really fun story to write. Nice.
0: Okay, JR. So when I was first uh, asked by Jason and Nick to do the story, that's one of the things I wanted to do was I wanted to tie it into the main series in a way that I could play and be creative without. Hampering what they were doing, which is why the the uh, RISIS the atrocity from the MCR was perfect. And then, as I was prepping for that, I had one story in mind. And Jason was doing a podcast with Nick, and I can't remember. And he made the joke that if you want to be leads, you got to be thin, which is from an old army cadence. If you want to be airborne, you got to be thin. Mm-hmm. And I started laughing. I'm like, I'll show you. So when I started writing my book, which is titled The Reservist, I basically wrote about you know space weekend warriors uh, who who get deployed over their head. Um, and part of that is because, uh, you know, when I was active duty, I deployed with a lot of guard reserve units. Um, and so that's how the story of Sergeant Benjamin Fetch Ocampo was born. And then for the, uh, the blurb that, that I just wrote with Nick uh, yesterday, they promised him one weekend a month. The House of Reason swore the Ninth would never leave their gentle homeworld, but after Kublar, things changed for Sergeant Ocampo in the Caledonian Reserve Legion Corps. Thrown into a meat grinder conflict in a desperate bid to hold the line, it doesn't matter whether you're reserve or active, only that you kill and survive." Uh, a searing tale of combat and honor at any price from a wounded veteran of the war in Iraq uh, who fought to keep the MSRs open from Mosul to Tikrit. And I wanted to put Mesopotamia because that's how I refer to it. But Jace, uh, Nick said nobody would know what that means. So it says Iraq. <laughs> We're not a lot of history nerds like you. <laughs> no, but, but yeah, that was, that was the, uh, the story was, was starting there. And it's, uh, it was a lot of fun. To, to write definitely and then i wrote mine where i start with uh, on Utopian where which is the the capital planet and they're at a at the the award where they give the the uh order of the Centurion and then he goes to a bar to to drink it off and then it's him telling the bartender, which has been unnamed until this book, but has been mentioned in all the other books. There have been other scenes set at this bar. So that's where I started it, because all good military stories involve a bar. That's right.
1: <laughs> all right. The next question is going to be as as whether or not your book is published or when the readers can expect it to come out. So we'll start with Jason.
2: Yeah, so uh, Order of the Centurion is one of uh, only two that are available on audio and ebook at the time of recording, and then uh, the follow up was Jonathan Yanez's book uh, Iron Wolves, which is also available on audio and as an ebook. Um, and then from there, you know, I think book three is officially Strikers War, so that would be Josh.
3: Okay, and we'll bet you, Richard, uh, or Through the Nether will be published on audio. On 18 June 2019 And so I am Looking forward to that and it is narrated by the Incomparable Luke Daniels who Has also knocked it out of the right. park on Every single audiobook he does but is Basically the voice of the Ember War Saga Which is my main series so I am looking ah. forward to listening to that on August 18th or excuse me June 18th June 18th and then uh, six months go. Later is when the uh, When the ebook comes out that sounds like the plan Yes
2: okay yep that's that's that's
1: that's plan. neat okay what about you josh
4: uh mine's out it came out on the 28th by surprise total surprise was very, was very, we heard
2: that was, your narrator yeah. ray porter was delayed and so we we're like oh man we have no idea and uh right. and then sure enough we get an email that morning new book by josh hayes
4: well it's fun <laughs> yeah it's funny because i i got i i think i got sent two messages i one was a message or one was a tagged on facebook we're like oh i wasn't even expecting this and they sent this screenshot of this email they get from amazon or audible it was like a new book out strikers war and he sent he tags me in facebook i'm like that's not right and so i replied back i'm like no that's that's not right it's not coming out yet and they're like oh that sucks so bad and then i saw somebody else do it i'm like (laughs) what crap is going on and then somebody actually sent me a link to the audio and so and i think actually i sent a screenshot of the post to jason and i'm like i don't think this is right he's like "Ah, i don't think (laughs) it's right either hold on (laughs) and then like two hours later the link was live and the book was launched we're like
0: "Ah." oh uh so it was all right what about you jr so i actually um got noticed from Nick yesterday. He's like, yeah, they said they're going to release it next week. So we need to write the blurb because uh, Jason's not answering his phone. And so we wrote that it. I on then, vacation. <laughs> <laughs> no, rest for the, no rest for the weary. We're right? the wicked. Uh, and so I think, and then they were going to release it the same day as Richard's and, and Jason and Nick wisely put the uh, kibosh on that one. So I think it's coming out on the 25th. Is that correct?
2: Yeah. June 25th is what they tell me now,
0: which would mean the, uh, the ebook and the paperback and all that would be released on Christmas. Yeah, that's right. So Merry Christmas. Uh, Merry Christmas, readers.
2: <laughs> that, that'll be a fun one.
0: The fun thing about the series
2: on audio is we had gone to our, our listener group and our fan groups, and we said, who are your favorite narrators? Mm-hmm. And we got a big list. And so we wanted this series to kind of be an all-star selection of narrators. And it really has become that. You know, Obviously, R.C. Bray did the main series. Mark Boyette did a fantastic job on order of the centurion uh jonathan davis who's narrated a lot of star wars books uh did his take on iron wolves and then like richard said you had luke daniels for through the nether uh ray porter who does fantastic work on striker's war and then jr i think like uh, christian rummel like he's like stealing stealing affection away from your wife right (laughs) thinking about it thinking about it nothing okay moving on
1: All right. So, Jason, uh, are these going to stay standalone novels or do you have any plans for any of them to become a series of their own?
2: Um, I, I think that as far as a series of their own, there's a lot of things like if people love Soren Voss and they say we want a Soren Voss series, that's great. But I kind of doubt Richard has the time to do a series. I wish there were more boss. of them. So
3: I really, do. um,
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, it's like, he's got, he's got a lot of stuff. Josh's career is really booming. He has a lot of stuff. Um, JR is an up and comer. So uh, I think that these are all going to be standalones. Um, but some of the characters will likely show up at some point, um, just for fun. Uh, we try to do tie-ins throughout. You know, the Iron Wolves uh, is tied into the main series, and um, in, in some future stuff, I sort of have some ideas penciled down just to have those callbacks. I think that's one of the popular things about Galaxy's Edge is uh, it is so comprehensive. And I do have such a nerdy mind that I'm able to to just remember all this this minutia and call these people back. So I think we'll see the characters and the units again, at least in reference, Um, but we don't have any specific plans for full-on continuation of a series. Okay, no problem. All right, now, finally, before we let you
1: go, what did you guys add to the universe with your Order of Centurion novel that you can tell us without spoiling it? Uh, Let's start with Jason.
2: Uh, I think we added the the fact that uh, the points aren't necessarily... All terrible. They're mostly terrible, but it's it's not a uh, foregone conclusion that they're all awful. And um, and then I think we added some layers as far as the history of the galaxy and uh, a sense of just how long uh, the Republic has been at war in some way or another.
3: Okay. What about you, Richard? Uh, for, for what I added to the Galaxy's Edge universe is, you know, if you get through the series, you know, Gonzales becomes a, a major player and that uh, there's a significant portion of uh, the Republic that, that goes with him. And so, what I uh, endeavored to add was, you know, why they thought that way, and why someone who should have been loyal to the republic might have looked at everything and go, "You know what? The hell with this! It's a dumpster fire. I'm going to go join with some people who are going to put that fire out." So that's that's kind of what I was I was adding that other perspective of, you know, who who are the traders, Why do they think that way? And how do they you know justify what they've done? So that's that's what I tried to add. And
1: that complicates things nicely. <laughs>
4: <laughs> All right, what about you, Josh? Oh, what did I add? Um, probably not anything significant. I created a um, basically this really ugly, nasty-looking like devil dog, um, hellhound in my book um, that Jason helped a lot with. Um, and uh, uh, it was pretty gnarly. Um, but other than that, I, I don't know that I added anything that will – Anything that that actually affects anything or that 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 would really make any kind of groundbreaking changes, um, uh, I just wanted to contribute just a little bit to a different p- portion of their story that didn't have anything to do with where they were at there at the the edge, and so um, I wasn't trying to do anything like that. Um, but I, I, readers might glean that, and that'll be cool if they they glean something like that and tell me about it. <laughs> right on. Okay, and finally, Jr.
0: All right. Of course. So I added the, uh, explored the kinder and gentler nature of the donks. And, uh, Hey, why are you laughing? Stop laughing at me. All right. So seriously, I wrote, I wrote about the, uh, Legion reserve Corps, uh, and I threw in some fun acronyms into the universe, but mostly the contribution I wrote was the, uh, the, the existence of a reserves. So.
1: All right. Panelists, how can our listeners find you? We'll start with Jason on Spock.
0: Um,
2: like, like physically, I don't think that I really want that, but like, <laughs> I guess just look for all the kids and then you'll find me kind of chasing after him. Um, (laughs) But if you want to find me online, um, I have a website, Jason and there are links to my social media, you know, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, um, I'm not really on as much as I once was because I, I actually try to write now uh, for, for a living. So, so I found that when I don't go on those social media sites, that gets way easier, but I do respond to all my emails at least uh, once a week. So that's how I prefer to reach contact to send me an email. And my email is Jason at Jason on So, uh, I always look forward to hearing from readers and listeners and I'd love it if you reached out.
3: Awesome. What about you, Richard? Readers could find me over at Amazon. Just type in Richard Fox and uh, perhaps the Ember War afterwards, and then you will find a whole plethora of books. You can see my smiling mug there looking at you, and just click on my face or my name on Amazon, and it'll take you to a giant list of my books. Or come to Facebook and type in Richard Fox author, and you can uh, join my, my page there, which is full of news and my occasional musings on, on uh, science fiction and other fandom activities. So that's uh, Amazon or Facebook, best place to find me. Okay, and Josh? Uh,
4: Facebook, I've got a website, um, that I need to update more. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Facebook is is probably the number one place you can find me. Um, if I'm not on my personal page, uh, you can find me at the Keystroke Medium group. I'm always there. Um, uh, just type in Keystroke Medium, you can find me there, or Josh Hayes um either way that's the easiest i'm not on i'm not really on twitter i have a twitter but i'm not really on it (laughs) because i get lost and most of it's a whole bunch of crap that just makes me mad when i read it so i try not to go on there anyway but uh, mostly on facebook and my amazon page obviously
1: okay and jr uh where can listeners find you
0: so i uh hang out at the galaxy's edge fan club obviously i started it and run it uh i'm jr hanley on all of the social media platforms and on amazon so if you type that in anywhere you should be able to find my uh find my books and uh find me online and of course everything else like with everybody will be in the the show notes uh on wherever you're listening to this fine podcast
1: okay and readers can find us and listeners at the on our website at www.sfshenanigans.com, our Twitter handle is at SFS, that's Sierra Foxtrot Sierra underscore show, our email is podcast at sfshenanigans.com, and our Facebook group is facebook.com groups slash sfshenanigans.
0: Thank you for spending some of your precious time with us. For Chris Winder and Seska Smalls, on am J.R. Hanley. And this was the Sci-Fi Shenanigans Podcast. We'll be back next week at the same time where we'll indulge our love of space and all things that go boom. All right. Thank you for sticking with us through that uh, archived episode that was in the... Uh, in the digital memory hole that we found. We thought you'd enjoy it. So thank you for spending some of your precious time with us. For Nick Garber and Doc Seska, I am J.R. Hanley, and this was the archive for the Blasters and Blades podcast. We'll be back at our regular scheduled time where we'll indulge our love of nerd culture, cheesy jokes, and all things that go boom.